A reading from John 11:45-48. Therefore many of the Jews who had come to visit Mary and had seen what Jesus did believed in him. But some of them went to the Pharisees and told them what Jesus had done. Then the chief priests and the Pharisees called a meeting of the Sanhedrin. What are we accomplishing, they asked. Here is a man performing many signs. If we let him go on like this, everyone will believe in him, and then the Romans will come and take away both our temple and our nation. Yeah, as Nathan talked about a few days ago, this miracle with Lazarus, it really leads to this culmination in the Gospels where uh, the Pharisees are going to double down against Jesus and get the Sanhedrin even further involved. And, you know, I think one of the things that really stands out to me in all the Gospels is the opposition that Jesus experiences. Uh, Eric, your title for today is A Reason for Opposition. And I think if we see Jesus' opposition, it should do something for us when we want to share about him. And that's that it should manage our expectations. Uh, if the army's taught me anything, it's expectation management in the army. In some ways, you might think I'm a pessimist, but I expect the worst. Hmm. And then if it's not the worst, I'm pleasantly surprised. But in the same way, when we share about Jesus, our expectations should be managed in this way, that Jesus himself, the perfect son of God, he did good things, right? We know what it says later in the New Testament in 1 Peter, that he committed no sin nor is deceit found in his mouth. And what did he get for that? Well, he got crucified eventually. And in the same way, when we want to submit and surrender to him and, and tell others about him, we should expect there to be some opposition. I want to ask a question of both of you, uh, because this, in a way, um, relates to our own times and the times that Jesus was uh, walking the earth. And that question is very simple. Has human nature, raw human nature, changed over the time of Jesus and even before till now? And the reason I ask this question is uh, it's brewed about in our culture that life is progressive and it's progressive with a positive slant on it. Mm -hmm. uh, not only as you grow older that you get better and better because you have more experience, but uh, your culture gets better and better. Um, and I think that way of thinking has been very influential of the products coming out of our schools, our universities, uh, where it has totally disregarded the truth about human nature uh, for essentially a fantasy about human nature. Yeah, I mean, the obvious answer to your question is no, human nature has not changed. And on this topic of opposition, which you bring up in the devotional, Eric and David, you were talking about too, we should really expect opposition. You know, this res the shock of the resurrection that we were talking about the other day, it's going to surprise people. <laughs> and it's going to surprise people who are kind of holding the power structures of culture. Because if there's a man running around your culture who can raise people from the dead, guess what? That's a threat. 
to your power structure. So yeah, they're going to oppose him. And we are still seeing opposition. I, I mentioned a couple of days ago, Eric, that when David and I talked to 20 somethings in Stanford, they're really eager to know Christ, but there is some opposition there too. Um, this past spring, we did one of our outdoor concerts on the sidewalk and we received some opposition. Some people really came against the, when they understood that what we were doing out there <clears throat> um, and it didn't feel good, right? It wasn't, it was like, oh man, <laughs> mm-hmm. but guess what? I thought about that a little later and I got really excited <laughs> because like 99% of the people who hear what we're doing out there are eating out of our hand. They're receiving the message of God and his love. But 1% are opposing us. I'm excited about that because what that means is we were clear enough (laughs) because what we're presenting out there on that sidewalk is totally different than what the universities are teaching, like you were saying, Eric. It's a radical message. It's different. And for getting opposition, that means we were clear Mm -hmm. because it should be opposed. If you're believing everything the world is teaching you and then you hear the message of the gospel, you're going to be like, that's not right. You know, you're going to oppose it, although some people are going to receive it. Mm -hmm. So I almost think, and I said this to the staff, so the next time we go out and do street evangelism in Stanford, if we don't receive any opposition, maybe we weren't clear enough. Mm-hmm. We need to be really bold mm-hmm. about Jesus being the way, the truth, and the life. Let some people receive the light of life mm-hmm. and let some people oppose. Mm-hmm. Um, that means we were actually proclaiming this message correctly. In reality... Uh, and this is uh, something I came up with uh, the other day. Uh, what is the vicarious Christian? This is another question. What is the, What is a vicarious Christian? I don't know what you mean. Well, vicarious means uh, it's it's not your experience. You're living through something. Uh, or you're in something, but it's not, you're not saturating yourself in it. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's, um, you know, you, you see people who live somebody else's life. It's vicarious. Uh, and I think the vicarious Christian is somebody who may call themselves a Christian, but that's as far as it goes. That's what I'm, I'm, I'm talking about there. And what you're talking about on the street corners in Stanford is the opposite of that. You're actually putting everything out there right. because you believe what you're saying and you're living it. Mm-hmm. And there's a, just a difference. It's, like, it's a slight difference. But a lot of churches I attended before I got to Stanwich, I'm not condemning anybody, but I, I thought that the vicariousness of the experience actually uh, propelled me onto another church where I was looking for the truth. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I was looking to not just justify myself, but to explain myself. And it took getting to Stanwich Church that actually that started to happen on a church level. Mm-hmm. There's a theologian that once put it this way, Eric, uh, that there's no grandchildren in the kingdom of God. And I think what they mean by that is that God, he has a personal relationship with all of his followers. Uh, Jesus has a personal relationship with each of us through the power of the Holy Spirit, through faith in him. But our relationship with him is not contingent or doesn't run through 
a parent or a grandparent, right? We can't rest on their laurels, in other words, um, but it's contingent on our own volition. That might show some of my theological uh, framework there. But yeah, I think that you, you make a good point about the vicarious Christian. Well, the, the, the only other thing I'd say about that is you're absolutely right. Uh, if you read the Psalms, you're, you're, the Psalms are frequently focusing on the next generation. Mm-hmm. Not two generations, not the, not the grandchildren, but the next generation is crucial because if they go away, you've created this chasm between the truth of, the, of, of, of Christ and the truth of the world. The next ge- generation is always crucial to the church. Mm-hmm. And when we forget that and we, you know, it's all good kind of kind of philosophy. Um, he was really a good boy. The woman says to the press as he's taken out for murdering somebody. Um, it's 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 just a, that's why I said vicarious, because there's nothing vicarious about Christianity. It's engaging every aspect of who you are. And your job is not just the people around you, but the next generation. And it was very impressive in, in June at Stanwich Church when these uh, kids came out and not, not only gave their, their, the verse, their life verse, but a few of them got up and, and did something I never could have done, which is pre- uh, to preach to the congregation. Mm-hmm. There was a tremendous authenticity to it. And I thought from that authenticity, I thought there, there's the job of the next generation was being well done. 